Tim alluded last week, he asked me if this was the best trip that I've had the, ch the opportunity to do in Africa. And the answer was yes. And you'll hear why in a little bit. Um, I'll probably thank you again at the end. But this would not have happened except for what God has done in this lampstand. So thank you for that. And there was um, a song that um, was done this morning on trials. And so I made myself a quick note that um, God had taken me through some trials before I went. And we're pretty much through that. And we're seeing some blessings that God has for us on the back end. But for those of you in trials and for those of you um, that are passing through something, I want to give you a sense of purpose that lies in it. So I will give you a short rehearsal of what happened before the trip. <clears throat> the first one was financial. But to be honest... Karen and I are totally used to this one. It just happens every time we go. Our income is not steady. I'm not on salary. It ebbs and it flows. And the ebb always happens in conjunction with the trip. And um, thankfully, the Lord has got me to the place where I don't freak out about it. But basically, the, the bank account was going to hit zero while I was gone. So, um, But the Lord has worked this through in me. It has not been an easy lesson, but... Thankfully, this trial was not as difficult as it has been in years past. So great. All right. So that's, that's the trials. All right. Ready to go. Um, then, as most of you know, we had, we had to work through some spiritual issues with our children, one of whom even renounced the faith. And it called even into question my leadership. And I had to meet with the elders. So, well, this is a new trial. You know, hopefully this won't be a recurring one. But we, we had to do all hands on deck. We had to deal with the spiritual condition of our household. And thankfully, the Lord has given us some grace as, as we move through that. So I went, okay, well, that's a pretty bad one. So I guess we're ready to go now. <laughs> well, and some of you know the answer to that. So a couple weeks before the trip, I got a hernia. And so I went to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, we'll, we'll get you an ultrasound. But what's going to happen is the ultrasound is not going to be definitive. And then we're going to need to request a CAT scan so you'll have something definitive for the surgeon to go over with you. But you're not going to get this before your trip. So I had a powwow with Mike and laid it all out. And Mike legitimately was thinking about not having me come. Because the doctor was saying, you need to know where medical facilities are at any given time. So if this thing becomes aggravated, you can, uh, you can address it. Mike says, well, you know the conditions. We're going to be in the bush. You're going to be a day's drive from a helicopter ride to a hospital, and you're not going to want to have surgery in pretty much any hospital that we're going to have um, a BM in proximity to. So I told Mike, well, there's one last card I can play, and I can go to the ER and force them to give me a more, uh, you know, get the CAT scan and then find out if I'm at risk for travel or not. So that's what I did. And they did the CAT scan. And even though I've got a bump in my torso, they said, um, you, you're, you can weather this, you're, you're okay to fly. So I said, do you mind if I make a call? And so I put the ER doctor on with Mike and Mike said, all right, we're good to go. So the Lord's brought me through this and I, in hindsight, can look back and be thankful to the Lord for his grace as he's brought me through it. But for those of you that may be going through trial, I say this by way of encouragement. And as we go through 
um, what the Lord did on this trip. I hope it's encouragement to you to persevere and to recognize God's purposes and that he uses trial to have us go. I was talking with Sandy that, you know, there's like Tim and I, when we go, it's like, okay, we can go exercise our gift and teach. Great. But the Lord always has us grow in our faith before we go. He has to work in our character before we can go exercise our gift. So uh, I say that by way of encouragement for you for the path that the Lord took me through in doing this. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and bring up some slides. Uh, I'll do this chronologically. And um, I talked to Mike during this trip because there's, there's some things that happen. Well, there's a lot of things that happen very slowly in Africa. So I asked Mike, How, you know, have you dealt with this or is this just me? And he said, oh, yeah, I've had to come to terms with this. And he said, there's many people in ministry that can never make this adjustment to learn how to slow down your expectation on being able to make things happen. And so he's made that adjustment, and and I learned to do it. The first one was Nairobi. So before I left last year, I had a meeting with two pastors in a rather large church. They just finished a four-story Sunday school building, so that gives you an idea of how large their church is. And... um, and nothing really came of those meetings. Nothing developed. So then uh, I met with another guy online. We did a couple conference calls before the trip. And still, no traction. And for me, you know, I want to get things moving. So uh, I got there, and we had a meeting. And so let's see if we can get to the slides. And, well, this is, um, this is Stephen, who... Um, I've become very fond of. He's, he's planted a few churches. He was our translator. He was the one that took the gospel to Tanzania. Uh, I mentioned uh, last trip. And, you know, 25 years later, he's seeing, you know, 20, 30 churches in the area that he took the gospel to. This is his church. So Mike and I were doing some dedications on it. So go ahead. Same thing. All right, this is towards the end. We may be backwards on that, but keep going. See if we can get to the beginning. Yeah, so we're at the very beginning. So if you can switch the order, this is the towards the end. Or keep going, see if you get, I want to see if you get to Nairobi, but I think you're, you got, you might. Yeah, so, all right, so we'll, we'll roll with this. So this is Tanzania. So this is the second conference. And as you can see, it's just Mike and I and a few hundred of our closest friends. So Mike and I are in the corners on the back. Um, You'll see we do a video. Uh, Ruben ended up doing a, um, a Sunday school for the kids, which is something new that we did. And he did it with 300 kids. These kids just came out of the woodwork. I mean, it's like you wouldn't think 300 kids would be within 300 miles. Uh, so anyway, this is the group photo at the end of the Tanzania conference, and uh, it was a tremendous blessing. Uh, no, that's not it. So are we stuck with this? If we are, I can just reverse my presentation. <laughs> right? Uh, we'll roll with it. It's fine. We'll go... Uh, no, it's still kind of, kind of wonky. You roll with it? Okay, it's not a problem. We're going to do the trip backwards. 
So um, Mike had gone to Kakama. So this is the end of our trip. Uh, we did Meguara, which is southern Kenya. Then we did Tanzania. And then we did, uh, we flew up to Lodwar where Tim does the conferences and, you know, it's super hot. And so the new opportunity that lies before API in our group is a refugee camp called Kakama. And uh, Mike went on the outskirts of Kakama last year and did a, a one-day conference and started the work going, but we had yet to get inside the camp. So this picture is us going to the authorities. We now have clearance to go inside the camp. So that's what we did. We held two groups of meetings in Kakama. One was in the town of Kakama with a pastor's leadership council, which, uh, which went really, really well. Um, and then we met uh, on the camp with a group of pastors and basically saying we're going to be bringing in August, Lord willing, uh, the conference that hopefully Tim's going to be able to go to is actually going to be in the camp of Kakama. And we're going to be training the pastors, uh, the refugee pastors in the Kakama camp. So this is what was necessary to make that happen. All right, go ahead. All right, so now, now we might be pulling it off. We'll see how it goes. So this is Boniface. Um, Boniface has been Tim's interpreter for his duration there. And I've never really had much interaction with Boniface until this trip. And he's a remarkable man of God. He, um, he was on a leadership council for all the Lodwar pastors. Uh, he was on it for eight years, which is what the Constitution allowed. They changed the Constitution because it's so evident that under Boniface's leadership, uh, the pastors thrive. It was under his leadership that API became a part of the ministry there for teaching the pastors in Lodwar. So he's just an exceptional man of God. So he's now expanded to not only is he over the pastor's conference in Lodwar Town, he's over the whole county now. There's a new conference they've created, and he's now taking on the undertaking of training pastors within this whole region of Turkana. So he's a remarkable man. And I will tell you that one of my most earnest requests of the Lord, even though we had these conferences where we're starting to see some great fruit from last year, there was one thing the Lord had put on my heart, which was I wanted to have ongoing training of the pastors for biblical counseling in the refugee camp of Kakama. And, and frankly, I want to go beyond this refugee camp. But I want it to be ongoing. I didn't want to be once a year undertaking. It's something that Reuben has started with Moses uh, in the southern part of Kenya. And so my hope and my prayer was, because... Um, uh, Boniface had, had been sitting in on, on the biblical counseling teaching for the last year that I've been doing on Zoom. My hope was is that Boniface would be willing to take on this endeavor. And if he said no, it would mean that we'd need to fly Reuben up. We'd have to create a team from scratch to be able to do this undertaking in this refugee camp. So uh, I had to sit down with Boniface and said, where's your head at? You, I mean, I don't want to coerce you into something. It's going to be something you have to be called to because this training is not going to be three months. It's not going to be six months. It's going to be two years. It's going to be two years of training the pastors on how to disciple their churches and then to also create an outreach ministry to the camp. So people who are not believers, who do not go to churches, would actually hear the gospel when they're in time of great need and they want to get counseling. That was my goal, is to set up basically a counseling center within the Kakama camp. 
So whoever does that has to be called to it. So I did not know this, but um, him, Boniface, and he also has a, kind of a partner that they're kind of joined at the hip. The two of them have, have created a, a great work. Uh, his partner, George, has planted 50 churches in the Turkana area. Boniface, I found out in this, tri- in this trip, has four churches in the Kakama area. And one in the town, three in the camp. I didn't know that beforehand. He's been there for 10 years. And so when I presented this, he said, yeah, I'm in. So that was my biggest prayer request, is that now we have a, a new undertaking there. So let me back up. And uh, as you guys remember, the offering was a double measure offering. And I don't know if you guys recall this, but my immediate trip needs were going to be about $4,000. We raised about $8,000 plus. So we're kind of going, what's this all about? What, what's this double measure all about? And what I just described in the Kakama camp, this is what the Lord developed as this trip went along, is there was going to be new ministries that were going to be a second generation. It wasn't just Tim and I going there to teach. It was going to be this ongoing training, but it was going to be by the pastors that had been trained by API. I was talking with Mike. I said, one of, I think, the greatest attributes of API is these pastors that you have developed over 10 years and the pastors that you are attracting to API. The prosperity gospel is rampant throughout Africa. And, you know, everywhere, especially the big churches, it's, it's a very big deal. So to have men who are grounded in the word of God and want to train up their people is not common. And so I was talking with Mike that this is a tremendous asset. Boniface and George are a couple of these assets. And so as this trip unfolded, and I'm starting to see the opportunities that are now going to be for this next generation of leaders, the leaders that have been taught by API over the last 10 years, this was going to be the new ground. This was going to be the multiplication level. Um, And I'll, I'll get to at the end the difference over what Uh, I've been training for the last year versus what the Lord has now opened the doors to do with these men who will take up this effort. Uh, I believe that's the direction uh, that the Lord is going to have for this uh, this next part of it. So, Joe, when you're ready. Oh, so anyway, this was that was Boniface's church. He asked me to to teach at his church. So we did that. Um, You'll see a video of him uh, later singing when we're on the lake going to one of George's uh, churches. And the reason that Boniface's heart was particularly light is that is his 30-year-old son who just accepted the Lord. Hmm. So this is um, one of the remote churches. Uh, You'll see that we took a boat ride to get here. Uh, What Mike has done is created a chip. Not created, he's used a chip. And they put it in the phone and it creates all these tools that the pastors can use in the bush. And then they have like a Bluetooth speaker, which has remarkably good sound. And so they have tools for Sunday school. They have tools for doing the gospel. They have the Jesus film. They've got all this stuff crammed on this chip. So here's Frank, our driver, walking through this pastor of the church through the tools of this. Next. This is the church that we went to. So... This was a boat ride to get there. There was another one that we went up the highway and then crossed 13 riverbeds. That's Mike's directions on how to get to this church. It was like a half hour ride 
through the bush to get to uh, this second church. So that's what George and Boniface do, is they're just way out in the rural areas creating church after church after church. So this is one of those churches. So back again to Boniface, uh, the difference you know, with a called man. So us white guys attract a lot of attention. So we're about to take the, the boat trip. And so this group of kids is hanging around. So he does a gospel presentation that he does with this folded piece of paper that turns into a cross. So it's just, I mean, this is his heart. Just every opportunity that he has to teach, to preach the gospel, he takes advantage of. Next. So this is us going to Lodwar. So this is uh, the third part of the trip. You now know the the fruit of it that's now happened uh, with the Kakama uh, camp. By the way, the when we met with the group outside the camp, uh, they just immediately started peppering us with questions. So Mike said, we're going to have a conference. I mentioned basically the agreement I'd, I worked out with Boniface the day before, which is we're going to work on ongoing training. And Lord willing, we were going to start it before the August conference. So they said, how many of us can we get in there? Can we truck in people from other areas? Can you finance us to go do counseling in those areas? So they, they just started, they, they saw the potential of it and they were just all in. What the end is going to be is we're going to allow 10 pastors from the town and then 20 from the camps because we want it to be out of the gate oriented towards the camp. There's going to be 10 in the main Kakama 4 camp and then there's another camp that's about 10 miles away. There'll be 10 slots for them. So this is, this is us heading to, uh, to Lodwar. All right, next. This is the temperatures in Lodwar, 100 degrees. It's, it's tiring. By the time you're done with a few days, you're just like worn out. Your core temperature is just like permanently elevated. And until we got back to Nairobi, you know, you just, your body doesn't feel normal. So that's Lodwar. All right, so now we're backing up. So now we're in the middle of the trip in Tanzania. Um, <laughs> so quick recap. You guys remember last year, right? So we got to the Tanzania border, we walk into the consulate, and the drunk supervisor hits us up for a $1,000 bribe. That was last year. So then we're sitting there for half an hour, he's having us cool our heels while he's at 500. He won't take anything less. We walk out of the consulate, they chase us down, and ultimately take two or $250 for, for me to be able to have papers to go into Tanzania. So this is this year. So we had our guys do all the, the calls. She is a supervisor uh, for the Tanzanian consulate and one of the main crossing points. Uh, they have conference calls with her. We, get, we stop at the border. We, we go to the police department. We do all the documentation for the rest of our team. And, uh, and off we go. Now, we don't have stamped passports because crossing the border is just like there's nothing there. So, uh, so anyway, we get a visit by two of her uh, people at our, the place we're staying. They tracked us down and said, um, you guys aren't authorized to be here. So it's, it's the normal routine. So they hit us up for the standard bribe. I suggested to Mike, he negotiated down, and he did, and they took it, and off they went. So they spent three hours at our hotel, and then they ultimately left. We get a call um, the following day, which is going to be our last day, and they basically say, stay put, we're coming to you. Um, and so our drivers are extremely nervous at this point because they say, 
the immigration officers are very nice and polite, and then they get you in the office, they confiscate your passport, and then you get to be detained. So uh, the drivers are saying, we need to get out of Dodge. Uh, so Mike cancels my last teaching. Uh, we do, uh, we wrap things up. And at this point, I'm just praying for Mike to have wisdom because he's got counsel that says get out of here. And he's got, the last meeting was basically all the, the lead people in the town are just springing up out of their seat with cell phones because basically the immigration folks are calling every leader in the town and say, if these guys leave, you guys are going to have problems. So, yeah, so it's getting really interesting. So, so we finish everything up, and it's either get in the cars and leave or stay. So I'm looking at Mike, and Mike says, well, I guess it's time for lunch. So I went, oh, I guess that's our answer. So we stay for lunch, and then uh, the two guys that took the bribe and their supervisor uh, show up while we're doing lunch. Uh, short version is she is the daughter of a pastor, and uh, she says, I want to attend your next conference. And she brought the stamp, rolled the stamp back to our entrance date, stamped our passports, rolled the date back forward to the date that day that we were leaving, and stamped our exit and said, see you next time. So, which was a huge blessing because if we left with, you know, our tail between our legs, Mike was just like, I'm done with Tanzania. You went through this last year, we're going through it this year. And so credit to Mike, who in a step of faith said, we're just going to face the music and see what happens. And that's the end result. And so her name is Lydia. You can keep going on the slides. So Mike ends up praying for Lydia. And, um, and it was just a remarkable thing. So this is the team this year. Um, so we have uh, two of our drivers. This is Benson on the bottom. Uh, we have Shadrach, who runs the conferences. We have Moses and Reuben, who take care of uh, the conferences that we do in South Kenya. And uh, Frank and um, John Kamau, who are drivers and take care of media and some other things. So we actually had a pretty large contingent. Mike's very proud of this picture. Um, all right, next. So this is the picture of the kids in Tanzania. You can keep going. All right, so, um, so that's Stephen between Mike and I. He's the guy that was our driver into Tanzania last year and just a remarkable man. The guy on the left is the pastor of the church in Tanzania who was not able to be there last year. He was, uh, I believe, at school dealing with some stuff. So his name is Emmanuel Parmwat. So uh, you probably recall the river crossings and everything we had to do to go to Tanzania last year, right? So basically, he gets on a motorcycle and comes from Tanzania to Kenya to come greet us. Um, and you can see, you know, he's, he's of an age that motorcycle rides probably no longer fun. So um, he wins my heart this trip because in Tanzania, as happened with Megwara, the teachings we brought were not exactly easy. Uh, I brought a teaching on sexuality, uh, including fornication, adultery, and the fact that God's model is marrying one wife. And we're doing this with men that have 10 wives and 60 children. And so we're on pretty, pretty uneasy ground. So even the sexuality thing, 
in the, in the Tanzania one, well, I'll back up in the Megwara one, the first one, uh, I was talking to Stephen, who's interpreting for me, and, um, you know, it was, it was kind of, I could tell it was uncomfortable. So I talked to Stephen, I said, so what's going on? He said, well, there's a nail in the board and you're hammering it. <laughs> so in Tanzania, I'm doing this teaching and there's a lot of laughter, kind of like nervous laughter. So I go to Stephen, so what's the deal again? He said, well, you just lit off a bomb. So he went from hammering nails to lighting off bombs. Stephen does a teaching both in Megwara and Tanzania where he talks about uh, the man and the culture. And so because he's in this tribe, he addresses a lot of the things that um, culturally they have not come to terms with. For instance, they're still very, you know, they're oriented around herds. Uh, the Maasai men will slaughter a goat outside the house, eat the goat, and then come home and not bring any meat home for the family. They specifically do it in the bush so they don't have to bring it to their family. Or if they have a meal, Stephen will tell me, the men will eat their fill, and whatever scraps are left over, they get up from the table and leave it for their wife and their kids to go through the scraps. So there's still a culture there where women are almost treated like property. Uh, and what has happened 2,000 years ago with the gospel on how much it transformed marriage has not hit there. It's, it's like you're stepping back in time to Old Testament times. That's what it feels like. You just watch them shepherding their, uh, their herds and, and their orientation is just like it's, you're stepping back in time. So Stephen's done was having these teachings, and I noticed he was having the same result. It got like pin drop quiet as he as he rehearsed these practices that these men have had for thousands of years that haven't been transformed by the gospel in the last two thousand. And he's calling them on the carpet. So um, so the man on the left, the pastor, we're having our lunch uh, after these teachings. And he's talking with Stephen, and he said, you went halfway. In other words, you didn't go all the way. So this man, with, with basically the bomb that he lit off, his heart was of such a mind that we have to completely transform our culture, our men, our church, with the gospel. And after he lit off the bomb... Uh, this pastor says, you've only gone halfway. So at that moment, I was endeared to, um, to Emmanuel. All right, next photo. All right, so now this is the group in Nairobi. This is our first meeting, basically presenting the opportunities that biblical counseling has. One, for maturity in your church. Uh, you can actually teach the lessons. Two, for crisis counseling, one-on-one. -on -one. And then the third is uh, an opportunity to create a ministry, an outreach ministry, to those who are willing to get any help they can. And if it is under the rubric of, of the Bible, they'll, they'll be open to it and actually hear the gospel for the first time. So this is the senior pastor on the left, Nagari. Uh, Tendai is the guy to his, uh, to his left, and he's the guy that had conference calls before I left on the trip. So he set up this meeting um, Mike and I really appreciate Nagari because he basically brought us into a teaching that he's doing with all his, his leadership in his church. Uh, and he, he, they got like, I don't know, six or seven church plants all around the Nairobi area. So they're, they're very much growth oriented. But Tendai told me, 
he said, we need this now. He said, a half of our young kids are getting divorced, which I was like, what? So he said, they're going through a transformation in their culture and they're dealing with very present needs for how to answer it. So he said, what you're describing, you know, we need like now. So, and their goal is to create a counseling center, one for outreach, but two, they want to become a training center for pastors in biblical counseling. So once we got finally through enough meetings, they were like ready to go. So we had a meeting with them when I got back to Nairobi before I left, we sat down with our scheduling people and then we basically said, okay, it's committed, we're gonna do it. He said, if you don't mind, would you mind pushing back? Because I'm gonna do a second Zoom track now. I'm gonna continue the Zoom track that I've been doing for a year and a half. I'm gonna start a new one from scratch. They're gonna listen to the teachings, the recorded teachings, and then we're gonna discuss them. So I'm gonna create a new track for uh, the pastors in Nairobi and they asked us can you push back the date because we basically want to start marketing this and and getting a hold of all of our leadership to participate in this we don't want to like short circuit it so they're all in so that was a huge blessing to see that the the beauty of the zoom thing is doesn't cost any money so at the end I'm going to rehearse all the new areas that we're now starting with a brand new training regimen it's, it's multiple areas including Nairobi and that has no cost so that's one of the benefits of, of this technology. All right, next photo. Yes. Uh, the short answer is you don't solve the, that problem with an unbiblical thing of divorcing the other one. So they stay in the condition to which they are called. Teach their sons. The model is one man, one wife. Uh, the you know the ever going curiosity. Um, you know, remember last year I had the four seats to myself and I could actually sort of lay down? Those days are gone. Every flight, every flight was packed to the gills. All four flights. All right, so this is the beginning uh, going into Meguara. So it's a lot of the same guys I'd mentioned. Uh, that's Stephen, our driver to Tanzania. That's Daniel. We're in his church in Meguara. Uh, and then it's Benson and Moses and Reuben and um, one of the drivers, John. Go ahead. So this is the end of the Meguara Conference. Uh, we're handing out resources for the pastors. Um, and so this is, this is what that end looks like. Keep going. So this is the Meguara Conference. So uh, this is the end of the conference. It was pretty filled. We're going to emphasize even further going to, to an outreach and bringing more pastors into it in the future. We may change the venue, uh, but it was well attended. Uh, the first question and answer, uh, back again to somewhat the culture, uh, there was no interaction. You know, Mike just kept saying, all right, any questions? So we did it for five minutes, nothing. Uh, we did the teaching, Stephen and I did on that, and the Q&A got really lively. All right, next. All right, uh, Stephen, this is, um, you know, the driver of Tanzania. This is the church he's just finishing with uh, some help from Mike and API. So basically what happens is, is Stephen leads the church, he teaches the church, he, he gets it together, he gets the land from somebody, he builds the church, and he hands the keys to a pastor who's going to uh, take over that work. So this is the pastor. I took a picture for Daniel because it's a pink suit. All right, next one. 
So this is Emmanuel's house. He, again, is the pastor in Tanzania. Uh, so obviously fairly modest. Uh, they dress up for the occasion of this, but he's got a fairly modest home, and that's his wife and his child. Next. This is a, hopefully an ongoing tradition for Tanzania. So last year at our hotel, Stephen led one of the wait staff to the Lord. This is a shepherd boy that uh, John Kamau, one of our drivers, had, had a pickup conversation with. He called Stephen over. Stephen asked him dialogue and then asked me to pray with the man, and uh, he accepted the Lord. So a pretty neat tradition. Uh, we're two for two on having. And this is, this is our adjustment. So we're planning on starting at 10 a.m. We didn't get started until like noon. I mean, 10 a.m., there was like one body in there. So this goes back again to, you know, I, I'm like Mr. Project Manager. And so you, you want to get things rolling. And so you're sitting there with an empty church on the first day going, all right, well, this is kind of interesting. So as uh, a result of that, we're just all hanging around. So John has a conversation, Stephen has a conversation, and I get the privilege of praying with a young man. And so maybe the reason the whole thing starts two hours late is for the gospel to go to this young man. All right, so this is a new device I brought. Uh, Mike is immune to mosquitoes. So Mike doesn't really have an orientation towards mosquito abatement for everybody that's with him. So uh, Tim and I have been working on things over the years. This is like a miniature bug zapper. So you need power to do it. So this is our first night in Tanzania, and you can see it's just, it's got choked with uh, mosquitoes and moss and bugs. So this is Mike explaining the chip thing again for the pastoral leadership. Uh, this is in Tanzania. So they're all pretty enthralled with this. Mike gave away, I don't know, 20, 30 of these chips for the guys to use. All right, next. So this is the group in Tanzania. Next. Same, same. Next. So this is the end of the Tanzanian conference. One of the blessings of this tribe is... Uh, they have their own identity even within Kenya, Tanzania, and Africa. So they basically, their tribe has, like you can think of the wild game park. So the, there's a game park in Kenya called Maasai Mara. That's all Maasai land. And then there's like, I don't know, half of Tanzania, which is the Serengeti. That's Maasai land. So they pretty much, um, that's their identity. And so this blanket is a Maasai thing. So everybody, all the, the guys who are tending their flocks, they, this blanket is never far from them. So it keeps them warm. So this is the end of the conference, and uh, they'd given us uh, kind of their honors on the blankets and the necklaces. All right, next. All right, so we're done? All right, so um, let me do kind of a recap of where I think it's going, and then we have some videos at the very end. Joe, so? Okay, so you can cue all that up. So what's happened is not only were we there for these two major conferences, which you can see, you know, we were able to do some pretty significant teaching and um, kind of pave the way for the church in the coming years. But what is growing is what started out in meetings this trip. So it was a meeting in Nairobi, which turns into now they want to commit to 
doing biblical counseling, doing it for their church, doing it as an outreach. And then we saw in Lodwar that now we've got the commitment, we've got the, the men with calling that want to do it. George actually wants to join Boniface in this effort. So he wants to get trained in this and then together they take it to the churches in Cockermouth. And then uh, what's developed down south is that team has not been idle. So this is the team that went to Uganda last year. They went to three different refugee camps and they are eager for our whole team to come, like daily calls to Reuben and Moses, like when are you guys coming? So that's, that's the really neat thing is uh, the yearning for the meat of the word is there. It's just a matter of getting it going. Uh, my hope is that for the remote areas, we're going to do that through Zoom. So uh, this is the enduring quality I like in Reuben. Is basically I get back to Nairobi and he gives me a call sheet. So he says, all right, we're about to work the phones. So that's what we did. So uh, one of the calls was to a city called Marigat. It's one of the head pastors there. Uh, Reuben had gone with Moses and the team and done a conference there. So that team, they don't have good, they're, they're towards the Lodwar area, they don't have good internet. So they're basically going to do our teachings, we're going to get them our recorded teachings, and the pastor is going to lead the other pastors through those recorded teachings, and then the head pastor is going to sit in on the new conference that we're going to have for the Nairobi pastors, where we discuss the live, uh, the, that week's teachings. So that's a new city that got added in Marigat. Uh, the last well, close to the last day. Uh, there's a guy in the Congo um, who's attended a few of our biblical counseling uh, online Zoom sessions. Um, he's got a radio station. He's already invited Ruben there. Ruben is taught there. The guy is like hooked. So he sent me pictures of his uh, pastor's group. He's got 30 pastors. His intent is he's going to go through the modules. There are each 20 lessons for the first two modules. And then we do... The third module, which I'm about to start with the, the last group, is some books and some actual auditing video sessions of, of, of counseling sessions. So uh, this guy in the Congo now is going to go through the lessons. As he finishes each module, he's going to teach it to this group of 30 pastors. So now the Congo is up and running. So now we're not only going to be in Kenya, we're going to be in Tanzania. Uh, we're going to be in Uganda and now the Congo. Either through Zoom sessions or the pastors who've been trained in it are now going to be holding the live sessions in those areas. So that's kind of an outgrowth of, of Reuben just taking the bull by the horns and just saying, you know, how can we maximize our exposure for this coming year? So in addition to all that, um, Reuben and Moses have been doing these in-person trainings for pastors for six months in their individual hometowns of Matete and Majengo. They each have 20 pastors they've been taking through the curriculum. Because of word of mouth, there's a town that's about 20 miles from Matete called Chekalini. They have 80 pastors. And they say, we want to go through this training. Can you come here in person and teach our pastors? So we now have growth areas in Kakama where we have an invitation for our pastors to go there to do the ongoing training. We have the ongoing training in Matete, Majango, and now Chekalini. We have 150 pastors identified that are hungry 
to go through this training on how to do discipleship and counseling in their churches. And it's of my opinion that that's why we had the double measure offering, is to fund eight months of training in those three areas, that it's not going to be just once a year conferences, it's going to be ongoing training on equipping them for not only their churches, but for the outreach that will, that will come after it. So with that, let's queue up some videos. They can't go back to their countries. No country will take two million refugees. So they're basically stuck here. UN sends some food in. Uh, thieves steal some of it and it goes black market. Essentially, most of the people that get food from the UN don't have enough food to get through the month. That'll be one of the things that we do as we do the ongoing teachings is we'll actually feed the pastors a meal. Yeah, yeah. They are, that's a, that's a good question. So the refugee camps are primarily in Kenya, Tanzania, uh, some in Uganda, and the refugees from Somalia, South Sudan, which had the civil war with Sudan. Uh, there are also refugees from civil uprisings in Uganda and the Congo. So basically that whole East Africa has had factional fighting for decades and has displaced, the estimates are between two and five million people. And they're from all over. So one of the things that we're dealing with in the camps is like the Congolese speak French. So Mike's first trip, he would say a sentence and then it would get interpreted three times. <laughs> so it's tough to make any traction. So what we're going to do is uh, the ones in South Sudan and Uganda will speak English or Swahili. Swahili is very common in uh, East Africa. So we're going to primarily focus on that group because it's the largest block. And then eventually some of those teachers are going to start teaching it in French for the Congolese. Uh, and that. We've, we've even had pastors from Burundi that want to be part of this. So, uh, by the way, in Congo, there's actually two pastors. Uh, one, the main one with the 30, is in a city that borders uh, Burundi and Rwanda. So, and he wants to be a training center. So once he's up and running, he, I think, is going to be our home base to extend the ministry into Rwanda and Burundi. So this trip, like I was saying, I think there was a reason the trials were as significant as they were. We went from a Zoom class of 10 or 15 over the last 18 months to what you just heard. And I'm excited to find out what the report's going to be a year from now. Because, you know, then these pastors are going to be teaching 30 pastors. They're going to be going into new camps without us having to be there. It's, um, it's, I think it's like a transition point in the ministry. And, and I think it's a transition within API. I think Mike is getting that the resources we have with the pastors can now, they're now equipped to go take this training, take the teaching to these additional areas and have, we can resource them. I mean, uh, Boniface is now an hour drive away from the Kakama camp. By the way, the roads are incredible. They call it the new Lodwar. Every road is now paved. I mean, 
when Tim and I went, I mean, I was started in 2015. It was a dirt roads. And now there's like four times the vehicles, there's trucks. I mean, it's like you're in a, you're in a city. So um, these areas are transforming. So the, one of the benefits is instead of it being a half day trip for Boniface and George, it's a one hour drive with a driver that will stay with them the whole day, bring them home at the end of the day so we don't even have to pay for hotels. So it's going to be very, very efficient. The same thing for um, Reuben and Moses is these are their home cities and Chekalini is 20 miles away. So we're not paying for a lot of logistics. By word of mouth, we're training a lot of pastors that are very short distances away from our team. So I think we got another video of the Kakama camp. Oh. So for us, so okay. what you got coming. So yes. this is in a hotel like, in Kakama. Stop having cappuccino. Yeah, well, well, you'll see the next one. They drank a lot more. So this is George's cup. If you watch it for a little bit, you'll see there's three flies on the inside. They have a special chemical on the table. So they die and do this death dance within 30 seconds. The floor is coated in dead flies. So, welcome to Kakama. Alright, next. Uh, nothing to see here, it's just a bunch of villagers walking on the water. So this is Lake Turkana, this is just a very shallow area. And so this is the lake we had to cross to get to the one of George's camps. All right, next one.
So this is our ad hoc Sunday school class in Tanzania. Uh, we passed out suckers, which turns out they brought the kids out of holes in the world. So I suggested that Mike make you hand out suckers to the pastors. He's considering it. Uh, Ruben was just a natural. I mean, he just he danced with them. And he thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, gave them a, a, a Sunday school teaching and just basically took care of the kids for the day. All right, next one. Same thing? That's the end? Good. Um, I can't tell you how much of an honor this was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry. The fact that I could be included in a work like this. Um, there's, a, there's a guy that does a work. His name is Wayne Mack in South Africa. He's written 20 plus books. And he's doing what we're working at doing with API in East Africa. And he's an esteemed man. I've written the sum total of zero books. Um, I teach someone else's curriculum. And, and I get to be included in this work. And, and you do. And I love the fact that God uses a man like me. I love the fact that God uses a church as small as we are to do this. And the, the aspirational things, I'm, I'm hoping it's not my ego. My hope is my 10 years is that I want to get as many biblical counseling churches and as many counseling centers in each and every refugee camp in East Africa. And I'm hoping that's not my own ego. I'm hoping that's a work of the Lord that lies ahead. And to have that kind of aspiration in the Lord is no small thing. And I wouldn't be there without you. So thank you. <laughs>